You are listening to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, episode 18, Man Up, interview with Nate Thompson. Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast. From America's finest city, San Diego, California, this is Tim Lucas. And as always, with me from down in the state where everything is bigger, Texas, is our in-house evangelist extraordinaire, Nigel Ali. How you doing, Nigel? Good, thank you, man. How y'all doing? Doing pretty good. And from out in Oregon, our research expert, Mr. Research himself, the one, the only, Ryan Goff. How's it going up there in Portland, Ryan? It's going good. <laughs> you made me want to be in Texas what, just with that introduction, man. We're just three regular guys who are passionate about growing young ministers. And that's what this show is about. Both young people growing into becoming ministers and young ministers growing in their ministry. On today's show, we also have a special guest with us. He's the co-founder of Man Up Adventures, an organization that uses adventure in wilderness settings to guide men into fulfilling God's design for manhood. Nate Thompson, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Future Tim here. We recorded this show back in October, and I totally forgot to mention that the release of this episode is actually going to be quite timely. November 17th is the day that registration opens for all of the 2017 trips that you're going to hear about in the next few minutes as you listen to this episode. So if you want to learn more about it, just go to BehindThePulpitPodcast.com slash manup. That's one word, M-A-N-U-P. Manup has no spaces, no punctuation. To you, the lady listener, I want to warn you, this episode on the surface is aimed more at men, but there are many themes we touch on that apply to you as well. Don't worry, we haven't forgotten about you, we don't think our audience is only men, and we certainly value you as our listener. So I hope you don't feel like we're leaving you out. Let's get back to the show. So I guess to start off, for those who who haven't heard of it or don't know, what what is uh, Man Up all about? Well, you nailed the, uh, I guess you hit the nail right on the head. Um, We are all about guiding men into the fulfillment of what we call authentic biblical manhood. And uh, that's a phrase we borrowed from um, Robert Lewis. He's written a book called Raising a Modern Day Knight. Uh, he's, Love that book. It's a great book. It's a yeah. great book. Uh, Men's Fraternity, he's obviously very involved with that. And um, we, we liked it because um, authentic manhood is exactly that. Uh, we believe God authored the family. He created everything. And um, he knows more than any of us what it means to be a man. And uh, so the world has a lot of caricatures out there as to what it looks like to be a man, but it has nothing to do with the size of the lift kit on your truck down in Texas. Um, <laughs> doesn't have anything to do with, uh, uh, you know, the mountains you climb out in Oregon uh, or uh, what you can do on a surfboard out in San Diego. Um, or, you know, I live in Minnesota. It has nothing to do with ice fishing or any of that <laughs> stuff. It has so much, uh, there's so much more than that. And so the Bible, I think, is really clear as to what it means to be a man. But yet I think it's something we kind of have to extract. And so it takes intentionality to do that. So we're dedicated to doing that. We want to help every man in this culture right now answer the question, what does it mean to be a man? And answer it the Bible way. Now that's probably one of the hardest questions that every man really has to answer and probably is kind of aimlessly walking about through life trying to figure out the answer to that i mean obviously you just said each person kind of has to you have to help them extract it but can you kind of give us a 
maybe a, a description, synopsis of what you found kind of common theme, things that come out of what it means to be a man from a biblical basis? The Bible starts with the story of Adam. And um, we learn a lot, I think, when we uh, just focus on those first three chapters and we really hone in on some of the things that are there. There's a lot of things that we just read past when we're trying to just read through the Bible in a year. And uh, if we just put the brakes on and take a look at some things, we'll notice some things. We'll notice that um, in the beginning of creation time with Adam and then Eve, you'll find that God never says to Eve, don't eat of the fruit. He only says it to Adam. He never, Mm -hmm. it's never recorded that God says that to Eve. And I think when we look at the Bible as a whole and we start to read in the New Testament, we understand that God has given uh, the man the role of the spiritual leader. We'll understand, I think, a little bit more as to why God delivers the message to Adam in Scripture. And I think he just uh, expects Adam to deliver the message as the spiritual leader. So those are some of the things that we can learn. Um, The Bible also says that when Eve took of the fruit, she gave to Adam and he, uh, he was with her. The Bible just explicitly says with, and, um, it makes you, it makes you wonder, well, where was Adam? Like, what does with mean? Like 20 feet away, 20 yards away, uh, 20 miles away. Like, what did that look like? And, and, uh, and so basically what our adventure, our adventures entail is we take, uh, the first Adam and we, we kind of smash him into the second Adam. And what I mean by that is we compare the two. And uh, the Bible says Jesus was the second Adam. And we understand that Jesus came to undo, if you will, some of the things that the first Adam uh, failed to do. And uh, when the Bible says Adam was with Eve, um, I think what it really means is that he was with Eve. You know, that's what it says. And uh, the Bible says in the New Testament that Eve was deceived in the garden, but Adam was not. And that we understand the Bible also says that through Adam, sin entered into the world. And so I'm kind of taking the long road here to simply say, um, I think men, if you just want to boil it down, I think one of the greatest things we struggle with is being passive and going AWOL maybe. Uh, being missing in action at times. And I think that when we look at Jesus Christ, we see that that is exactly what he wasn't. He was never missing in action. He knew who he was. He knew where he needed to be. He was always there and he was never passive. I mean, how could he leave heaven and come down here and be called passive? Like (laughs) that's just not a conversation. So long story short, like that's just one of the big things that we talk about when we get together. We, we try to address passivity. Uh, so what does it mean to be a, a real man? Well, I think that not being passive has to be in the conversation. Yeah. yeah, and it's so true. Like, I think both husbands would agree. The number one thing I want is my wife to be happy. And so a lot of times my expression of that is, well, I'll just keep my mouth shut, you know, and, and that's probably not the right thing to do in an effort to make her happy when God never called me to make her happy. Uh, how did, how did this uh, man up adventure come to be? How did it birth? Yeah. Well, um, one of the things we also teach is um, that every man was created. Every person was created by God with a very specific purpose. And so um, the short answer to that is I believe this is why God created me. Um, this mm. is why I'm breathing. 
is to do what I'm, what I'm trying to do with this. Um, how it came about, God really took uh, a series of events that took place over about a 13-year time period. And uh, when I try to describe it, I guess the analogy I use is taking a needle and thread and literally taking all these events in my life and stringing them together and then pulling them together and just kind of tying it off and one day saying, this is why all these different things happened. And he brought them together to a culminating purpose. I remember um, going to Bible college. I also went to ABI for two years, uh, 2001 to 2003. And uh, I'll be honest, I came to Bible college, I think in a pretty naive state. Um, I grew up in a pastor's home in South central Minnesota, a small community called Wasika. And um, I just, not a big church, uh, not a lot of exposure to bigger things. I just had this misconception that um, everybody's experience in the apostolic faith was like mine. And what I meant, what I mean by that is I just, I, th- I thought that what I was going to find when I got to Bible college were a-, a bunch of young men that came from a family that had a dad that prayed and a mom that prayed, a, a dad and a mom that were together. Um, and how do I say this without sounding, I guess, let me just say this. We don't get to pick the families we were born into. It's not something what? we get to choose. So I don't, I don't mean it in like any sort of an arrogant state or, or like, look at where I came from. That's not what I'm saying. But like right. a traditional family unit with everything pretty much going for you as a kid. Um, I got there and I found out that that just wasn't the case. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was when my eyes were first opened. Um, mm. And I just saw the effects of fatherlessness in a way that I had never seen them before. And, and at that point it was just a casual observation. And what it really served to do was to make me grateful for what I had just taken for granted for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, moving deeper into adulthood, um, there were just a lot of different things that transpired. I remember uh, I went to IBC to finish my four year degree. And um, I remember coming into the courtyard, I was in C building and I was just getting ready to go up to my room. And it was just like, it was really strange. It was like, God tapped me on the shoulder and he just said, stop and look around. And I looked around and, and I was with some of my friends and the thing that stood out to me, and I never understood why I had this moment with God ever until man up became a reality. But the thing that stood out to me when I looked around was all my friends that I'd become close with. Uh, that I was with that night, none of them had a father in their life or a solid mm. father figure or a man wow. that was saved. And, and, and that was mm-hmm. the only thing that I remember from that night. And, 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 you know, we asked God, like, why did you stop me right there? Why did you tap me on the show? Well, he wove everything together later on. Um, so I graduate, um, I get involved with ministry. I was a youth pastor in the twin cities for about three years. Um, two years into that 2007, Um, I'll be really honest with you, man. I had everything quote unquote together on the outside, but on the inside, I was just falling apart. Um, I had sin in my life. I was struggling with addiction. I was facing depression. Um, There was just, the walls were just crumbling inside. And I, at the time was working for Prudential Financial. I was making good money. I was good at my job. And it was December and my boss came in and he said, Nathan, uh, first week of December, he said, you're going to lose your vacation at the end of the year. 
Uh, you need to use it or lose it. And I was at this point in my life where I just didn't care anymore. And I threw my hands up and I just said, fine, I'll see you in a week. And I just walked out of my job. <laughs> oh, and I just didn't care. I was just, you know, you, you get to those broken places and yeah. you're just like, I can't do this yeah. anymore. I can't put the face on anymore. I just, I'm frustrated. This was going to turn out to be a, like the biggest turning point in my life. I went home. Uh, I talked to my dad and I said, dad, I want you to come with me. I'm going to go out West. Now this is December in Minnesota. I'm going to drive out to the Tetons. I've never been there before. I'll pay your way. I want you to come with me. And my dad, who was pastoring at the time, um, he cleared his entire week schedule in like two hours. He got in the car with me and we went out to Jackson, Wyoming. I'd never been there before. And uh, we snowshoed for five days uh, on the slopes of the Tetons. And the, and the first four days we were there was under a snow advisory. So <laughs> I never got to see what was above me, like what was higher than – it was just snowing. We were socked in with clouds. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. I had no idea I was snowshoeing on the Grand Teton for four days. Like I didn't know that. I couldn't see anywhere. But what happened was uh, one of those afternoons on the mountaintop, God met me in just an incredible way. And I felt God in a snowstorm at seven, 8,000 feet that I had in, in a way I'd never felt him before. And uh, that time spent with my dad in the wilderness, having this connection with God that I never found in a church. I'm a pastor, so I'm not anti-church, you know, don't take me wrong, but, um, it was raw. It was real. And long story short, all those things combined literally to turn my life around. That was the turning point in my life. And God started to turn things around um, to the point where, you know, I was able to break free from the things that were holding me back. But it all started right there. And God asked me a question on the way home. He said, Nathan, if I can use the wilderness uh, time spent with an older, wiser man, if I can use these kinds of things to change your life, do you think that I can use them to change other, you know, other men's lives? Mm, right, right. And the answer in my heart was absolutely God. You know, you absolutely can. Mm-hmm. So long story short, that's kind of how the <clears throat> was birthed. God took a lot of different, there's a lot of things I'm leaving out, but like that, that five day, period of time literally changed my life that became i think the birthing point for the dream uh in regards to what man up has become so have you always been uh really into outdoors things or did this kind of come on later in life or i mean it sounds like if you went on a five-day snowshoe trip in the middle of a blizzard you kind of were comfortable already so, well, first of all, I'm from Minnesota, so snow is nothing. Right. I didn't come from, you know, um, so yeah, snow and I go way back. I love snow. I'm comfortable with that. Uh, we hiked a little bit as a family, like little state park here, state park there, but like we didn't do anything, you know, too crazy. So this was really like, I hadn't snowshoed. This was the first time I had ever snowshoed at 20, That's so cool. years old, 24 wow. years old. Um, you know, and so it was, it was out of the box for me and, um, it was just incredible. And it really opened that trip, opened up the horizons and kind of pushed the walls of my spirit, my mind, everything mm-hmm. back. And it brought in my horizons in a way that, uh, they just hadn't been before. So no, this was, this was new to me. This was wow. like, That's yeah, crazy. Stepping out. that is man. 
Yeah, everyone that has, uh, you know, been to Menap Adventures, I've had nothing but good reports. I have a friend that has been telling me that I need to go next next year. <laughs> you mean other than me? Because I've been telling you that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm curious, do you feel like there's something special about the wilderness? Or is it just that you love the wilderness and it's kind of the backdrop for the lessons? Or is there really something unique about the wilderness that allows these connections to happen and, and kind of facilitates the, the learning? That's a great way that you just, uh, a great way to put it with what you just said, facilitate the learning uh, it, because it really does. And it does in several ways. Um, I think really practical ways. First of all, these guys, they have to leave familiar to come here. And uh, there's just something powerful about leaving familiar. Uh, you leave your problems behind. Um, we purposefully try to place our adventures in a place where you're going to have to leave cell service behind because nobody is important enough that three days or four days out of cell phone service is going to ruin their life. You know, I hate to break yeah. it to the world, but, um, in order to hear God's voice, we have to silence other voices. And honestly, that yeah, is true. That's so true. just shut Facebook off, like, this, these podcasts are great, but like, you know, they can download it, you know, three days later. <laughs> yeah. No, no offense or anything. Um, no, not taken. So, I mean, yeah. there's that. That's the surface stuff, right? Um, but I believe that the wilderness has power. I'm not a tree hugger. Let me explain to you what yeah. I mean. Scripture says that if we don't praise God, the rocks will cry out. Um, that tells me the rocks are living in a sense. Like there's, I'm not, I'm definitely not saying there's, there's a soul there, but what I'm saying is they are alive. Paul says in Romans eight, that all creation is groaning. And I'm going to paraphrase here, but for a time when things are going to be made or remade or renewed back to the way they used to be. And I guess the best way to phrase this is like everything that's gone wrong in my life and your life is because we're living in a world in a way that it was never designed to be. We're not yeah. living in the Garden of Eden. And so everything that's gone wrong in my life is because my life isn't as it was originally intended to be. And what I'm talking about is just the prototype, Adam and Eve in the garden before the sin. And, and what Paul is saying is there's going to come a time and creation remembers. What I'm trying to say is creation remembers what it was like when this was all perfect. That's true. Amen. And so... With that backdrop, when we can leave our cities and our homes and all of our man-made stuff and we can get out into the wilderness, which is pretty much untainted, we're in it as God created it. There's just less to hold his presence back. That's honestly what I feel. I agree. And um, we see some incredible stuff happen in a wilderness environment. And it's, and again, this is, this is not an anti-church sentiment by any stretch right. of the imagination. Um, it is just, there's something special. I'll take you one step further. Um, pretty much any prominent biblical character has spent actual physical wilderness time or time right. in, in a physical wilderness. Right. Um, we know God put Adam in a garden um, you know, he didn't put him in a building. He put him in a garden. David was anointed king. And then it's like, Hey, for the next 10 years, you're just going to roam around in the wilderness, you know, and get chased by this crazy Saul guy. Uh, Moses grew up in a palace and then he went for, to the wilderness for 40 years. Where does Elijah meet God after a 40 day journey? He meets him 
on the mountain of God out in the wilderness, and there's a still small voice. John the Baptist, uh, he's in the wilderness. Jesus is puzzled 40 days. His ministry started with a wilderness moment. And I'm seeing that happen on these adventures. Guys are literally jumpstarting their lives, their ministries. uh, It's not just a two or three day go back home. That was great. And then um, for most guys, there's lasting change that takes place. So that's my answer, I guess, to the question. I I agree. I, I was a while back. Lord is kind of showing me about Jesus being in the wilderness and telling me that, you know, you need to take some time. And so I had done a little bit of camping as far as like sleeping in cars or maybe a tent next to a car kind of thing. And I knew that wasn't real camping and I always wanted to do more. I never had a chance. Well, living out here in San Diego, we don't really have much real camping. It's pretty much pay money and go to a camping site. And I'm like, that's not, I'm not going to pay money to do that. It's just, I'll do it in my backyard. Well, I found out that if I would drive two hours to the desert, there's a place you can do what they call dispersed camping, where you can camp wherever you want. And I went out there kind of with low expectations. I'm like, who wants to camp in the desert? And my life, I was out there two nights and I didn't, I saw one person hiking through, they were doing like this um, desert medicinal plant walking tour thing. I saw them, we talked a little bit, that was it. And just, I, I didn't even take a tent. I took a tarp and some, some trees and learned ahead of time how to set it up. Nice. And I was just amazed. Like the, when I pulled off the road and it was probably another mile back after that, I think not too far, but just the silence. Yes. And it's like, all of a sudden I realized the problem wasn't trying to hear God's voice. The problem was all I hear is voices. I hear my, my own thoughts. Literally, it sounds like a voice. And it's wow! It was just so revolutionary to me. I I can't wait. I've been wanting for probably a couple of years now to go on one of uh, your trips, and it just timing hasn't worked out and and stuff. But it's definitely something in the next couple of years at least that um, is going to be a priority for me. And I, I already told Nigel and Ryan that we all three want to go together at the same time. That'd be awesome. We'll have to see. Now you um on your website you have. Uh, you really kind of laid out some things of new directions you're feeling to take man up. And it seems like just, I mean, next level doesn't even describe the, the new, I guess, vision. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, what you're looking to in the future? I want to preface what I'm going to say by saying that to some people, uh, they might look at this and be like, well, you know, this is uh, you know, this is a business or this is like, and we, we formed man up, Four years ago, legally, we just made it an LLC. We've run it as a nonprofit financially. I've never taken a dime from this. We've reinvested everything in it. But we're in the process of getting it turned into a nonprofit organization right now. Um, The reason I'm saying that is this isn't just something I'm doing on the side anymore. This is something God spoke very clearly to me about in May. And this is my life calling. This is why he created me. So we're going full time with this. And God's called me to be a missionary to men. Uh, it sounds crazy. Awesome. Out of the box. Sounds great. Our culture needs us to be intentional about this. The fam family structure in the United States and the Western culture is just in shambles. And, uh, if Satan can take out the head, the rest of the family is easy. And, uh, and so long story short, we, um, 
we're going all in on this and God's given us some big time vision for this. And so um, what I would call phase one is regional expansion. And uh, for those who aren't familiar, basically um, we've been talking about these trips, but what happens is we, uh, we have four nights, about three and a half days of time together in a wilderness environment. Studies show that men learn best experientially Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, when I took chemistry in college, um, because I thought for some reason I was going to become a pharmacist, um, (laughs) and then God had the the last laugh on that one. Um, I couldn't wait to get into the lab because I was going to learn in the lab, like lecture hall settings for most men. Uh, we don't process the same way as, as women do, and that's proven. And so most of us, we need to learn, and we learn the best by hands-on activity or exper- what we call experientially. And so we have geared what happens on a Man Up Adventure to be as experiential as possible. And so what we're doing is we're teaching these principles experientially, trail side through hiking. The hikes have to do with some of the things that we teach, um, there's all kinds of stuff that that's going on. So we're regionalizing these trips. And um, that was the first step that in prayer, I felt God just say to me uh, three years ago now, uh, I want you to start to regionalize. And so we, you know, we launched uh, in the Bighorn Mountains. So we've got, you know, then two locations at that point. And um, this next year we are uh, launching in New England on the main New Hampshire border. Uh, for our first time, we scouted that, and we we're really excited about that trip. And there's a lot of people in that area of the country that have heard about it, and we're anticipating having a full trip. It's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, we went to the Smoky Mountains in the south, what I guess I would call the south uh, east, sort of, um, this last year. And the trip was good. There's some things we need to do to retool that, and so we're not headed back there in 2017. But you'll see it a location in that area again sometime in the very near future. Um, we, uh, I personally am targeting the Northwest. Um, so Ryan, uh, we're coming your way, man. I'm looking at Oregon. I'm looking at Washington. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and I'm wanting to check out the Southwest too. And I know the West is just huge. You know, um, I have never been to San Diego, you know, but, uh, I know that California is just packed with mountains. And so someday I'll yeah. get on to hear the John Muir. So long story short, um, our first phase is regional expansion. Um, and so what we do right now, I mean, there's just a ton of effort, a ton of energy that goes into it. A lot of people are like, wow, you get to hike and this is what you're going to do. I'm like, no, I'm working so hard. You have no idea. You know, it's like, uh, but the cool part about it isn't just to, I guess, put a shameless plug in here. What happens on these trips is so impactful that I might go with my dad to facilitate one of these trips, but both of us leave just as changed as the guys, because what happens is the guys get in there. We create a culture of accountability and vulnerability, and we uh, it might sound kind of harsh, but we strip titles from anybody and everybody who comes. And so if you're a pastor, um, you're not pastor on this trip. You're whatever your first name is. And that's because all of us, we want all the guys to feel like they're on a, the same level. And so long story short, we're regionalizing these trips. Uh, that's part of phase one. Um, we want to take these trips and what we're teaching on them uh, global. I feel like that's a promise from God that he's given us is to to go global with these. I honestly have had uh, 
I've had invitations now to go to three foreign countries. Um, and people are excited about this. Mm. And I think that most of us believe that the Bible transcends culture. And, um, men need to be men, whether it's here or whether it's on the other side of the world. And I understand that culture sometimes can shape things differently, but the Bible is the Bible, no matter where, where we're standing on this globe, the Bible is the Bible. And so men need to be men here and everywhere else. And so that is a, that's, that's one of our, I guess, longer term goals. Um, that's going to take a large financial commitment. I will say this, this just happened. Two years ago, we had a man fly over from Prague, Czech Republic to come to one of our trips. Wow. Wow. Now, he's worked closely with um, the missionaries that are over there, and he just conducted the first what we would call man-up trip in Europe. As an alumni, and my dad just sent me a picture from Yarmir. And uh, he uh, he's there in Prague, and it was him and about seven or eight other guys, and wow. just super That's cool, good, man. Wow. Yeah. So it's happening, it's happening. And I don't yeah, need to be there now. So those are a couple of phases. We got a couple of other things that we're uh, that we really feel God's called us to. Um, let me frame one of them like this. And this is kind of I think sometimes we think of vision and I kind of think of it as standing up on a mountaintop and the stuff that I can see right in front of me, that's kind of phase one. And then the horizon is kind of like, you know, way out there. And what the horizon is, I feel for this and what God has shown me is that um, we're at some point, Man Up Adventures is going to have a home base. And I believe that that'll be somewhere probably in the Rocky Mountain area, wherever God leads us. The idea is to have a lodge and, um, most recent statistics say 40% of the, of the kids right now in America do not have a father. That doesn't speak to absent fathers. Um, and so that's just literally fatherless, like no male influence wow. in their life. Um, and this problem isn't just in, in the world. It's in the church, too. That's true. And yeah. right. this yeah. is a great place for me to just reiterate, listen, if you're growing up in a fatherless home, that's not your fault. You did not choose yeah. that. Right. Um, there's a tremendous amount of guilt that sometimes happens as a youth pastor. I dealt with that with kids in my youth group, just feeling guilty for their parents not being together. Um, you know, no kid is responsible for a divorce or anything no. like that, but we were created as men to be raised and influenced by other godly men. And there's an, there's literally a vacuum of that. Yeah. So long story short, when I look around and I talk to pastors, it seems like, the window in which we are losing apostolic young men um, more than any other place is that 17, 18, 19 to 20 year old range, end of high school, first year of college. These guys are growing up. They're moving away for the first year of college, yeah. secular college. They're getting into these liberal universities and they're, they're literally, um, they're just getting eaten alive. And the idea is at Man Up Lodge, we would be able to bring guys for 60 to 90 days, somewhere in that area, long enough to immerse them, long enough to break habits like pornography, long enough to establish new habits like daily prayer, um, healthy work habits, 
And just to have an intensive time of really training, I guess you could call it a handling school of sorts, to where we prepare these young men to be the men that God has called them to be. They need to to leave knowing why they were created, what their purpose is, um, that they have what it takes, and that um, they can confidently move into things like marriage, um, raising children, and and, uh, the things that come with that. Uh, that they can be educated and can move into that confidently because for so many of us guys, that was just guesswork. Like we didn't have anybody to initiate us. You know, there's no rite of passage in our culture. There's no like, Hey, now you're a man. Here's your man card. Like we don't have that. And and a sex ed video at a high school telling you, you can do whatever you want to do is just not going to help you. But that's like, that's as much as some of us guys have, you know, these days. That's so true, man. So that's kind of the heartbeat and the vision um, is to have a place where men can, uh, young men can come and they can leave men knowing they're men and prepared. So that's awesome. That's great. I saw in your, before the interview was reading some of your, the website stuff and I love where you're going with this and I love what you guys are doing. I feel like this is uh, ever since I read uh, before I had my first son, Three years ago, I got the book Modern Day Night, and I've talked to Tim about it a lot because I love that book first of all, and uh, but I love the the rituals and these things that have been eliminated from our society nowadays. It's just kind of you know we're living and uh, you're going to school and you're doing these things, and then you go to college, and then you know you just have to go and do whatever you're going to do. The one thing that I was reading is you know about the the mission statement and and what you guys are bringing. Uh, there's some other things that I saw that you're working on, like a creative aspect of it. Are you planning on making materials, or do you have currently any materials that that those of us who can't necessarily go to a uh, adventure that we could get a hold of? Or are you currently in the process of doing? Yes, yeah, so we are currently in the process of uh, getting a handle on that. And um, that is also another one of the things, uh, one of the phases of growth that um, we're looking at. And I think myself being able to um, go full time focusing on this is going to be an enormous faith adventure and faith venture, but it's going to give me the time that I need to um, really work on this. Uh, My dad is a writer, he's a tremendous teacher, um, and God's done some really neat things in just the last year. Um, kind of circling the wagons around us with some super, super creative people. Um, and so our goal and part of our mission statement is absolutely to create resources. And um, a lot of times when we say the word resources, we think of books and, uh, you know, field manuals that go with the books and like uh, small group this. And we want to do that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't want it to just be, I don't want it us to just get stuck in that box. One of our yeah. big dreams is uh, we want to, we want to use film and video um, to get this out. And um, we, there's no reason why we can't take what we're doing and bring a film crew in and have their, you know, be some serious entertainment value, but also some stuff that changes lives. Yeah, and so right. God's been starting to bring people like that around us. We've had some super, uh, prodigy like creative people come on our trips and God's just touched them and they've seen the vision and they're like, how can we get involved? And so like God is starting to raise up an army of people that are starting to get behind this. 
And, awesome. um, and so we definitely, we want to create, we want to, you know, we hope to have a podcast like what you guys are doing at some point. Um, we hope to, you know, have video resources and also print resources as well. That's great. Now do the, have the men that have gone on this man up adventure, do, do they stay connected? Um, is there a way, I know you talk about alumni. Um, so everyone who's been on a trip is considered alumni. Is that how that Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, we have a, we have a rite of passage ceremony at the end of every trip because it's just something that society doesn't have. And, and this rite of passage ceremony, I mean, I've seen guys in their mid fifties sob at these because they just, it was something they never got and they didn't have, you know, didn't have a father influence. Um, it's sounds kind of, maybe immaterial to people who haven't been in that situation, but it's been super impactful. And so there's a, there's a little ceremony that happens and uh, long story short, we call it crossing the fire and it's, it's nothing dangerous or <laughs> anything like that. There's no hazing that goes on. It's not like that Tony high. Robbins walked the fire coals. Yeah. Or... <laughs> it's not like that at all. That is, as I think you probably already guessed, that's not what man up means. It's not this super macho Rambo throw your war paint on kind of a thing. That's just, that's society's definition and that's okay in its own realm, but that's not what it means. And so this is a very heartfelt, meaningful time. And so when guys cross the fire, they become an alumni and um, we're in the infancy of trying to take that connection, that post-trip connection to another level. Um, the guys that come on these trips, they connect and, uh, there's many of them that still are connected, even though they live a long ways away, they still touch base, whether through social media, phone calls, texts, things like that. Um, we do have a, uh, we do have a secret social media account that when an alumni crosses the fire, they get added to this account. No one can ask to join it. No one can see it. They're only able to join by my invitation. And it's a way for us to keep our finger on like just the pulse of the alumni. And it's a yeah, way to it. keep alumni. That's good. Now, uh, with me being able to go full time, I've been actively working on this. And um, the goal is starting next year with our 2017 trips to follow each trip up with at least one video conference about a month later where oh, we cool. circle the wagons again. And we, and we just kind of ask the tough questions. Okay. You left the mountainside. Uh, you walked away with these principles of authentic biblical manhood. How did it go when you got home and you started integrating this? Um, yeah. Where are you at right now? Uh, just a level of accountability because guys invest time and money and, And um, this is my heartbeat. This just isn't something I need to have fun. Like I want to see life change and I get letters and stuff from wives, from pastors. I just got one today um, from a, from a guy who came um, three weeks ago now. And he's just like, uh, and, and it came from him, but he just said, Hey, my wife and my pastor have come to me and said, they see a huge difference in me. The stereotype is, you know, kind of the same thing as you go to youth camp, you get excited, you come back, you're excited for a week, and you go back to normal. Obviously, from people I've talked to and your stories, that's not the norm. I'm sure there's a couple of those that come through your adventures that are like that. That's not the norm. What's different? What makes this stick? Um, What makes this stick is the combination of just everything. Memories are made. And here's the thing. And I think this is the glue that sticks it together. I'll just be real. I think what the church lacks is authenticity and vulnerability. 
especially in the realm of men. And we intentionally create a culture the very first night. And we let everybody know that, listen, if you're not here to participate, to be enthusiastic, to empower one another, to show respect and responsibility. And if you're not here to be vulnerable, fake it or go home. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that sounds kind of harsh and, and so on and so forth, but it's not delivered in that way. Right. Let me put it this way. When you see a bunch of guys get together that don't know each other, uh, what's everybody doing? Well, everybody's looking around to see who the alpha male is. Who's the right. alpha dog in this room? And we eliminate that right away. No titles. Yeah. Um, we, we, it's not marginalization. Again, this isn't, this isn't a negative thing. It's not perceived that way. Every it's a relief for everybody. I can't yeah. tell you how many pastors have come and they're like, good. Like I didn't come on your work. You know, right. like yeah. I'm not pastor on this trip and they leave change. I mean, pastors, wow. I'd argue and say that I've seen pastors, some pastors leave more change than just yeah. quote unquote regular guys. We're all regular guys. Right, right, right. Long story short, there's that, but this is what I'm getting to. Healthy masculine community is very difficult to find. Yeah, and it is. Yeah. We've got a bunch of guys that want to be there, first of all. No one's drugged them there. Um, they're being real and authentic. The Bible says if you confess your faults one to another, that there's going to be some pretty amazing things that happen. There's going to yeah. be healing that takes place. So there's life change that happens. And these guys are just, it's iron sharpening iron for four days straight. And everybody ends up ministering to everybody else. It's not just the Nathan and Galen show. That's not what it is. It's everybody. And, and Jesus shows up in an unprecedented way. I had a youth pastor from Wisconsin um, say it our closing evening in the Bighorns this last summer. And he wrote it in his post-adventure survey. We follow up with everybody with a uh, post-adventure survey to where they can just rate what happened. And he said it, and this is what he said. He said, I have never been ministered to more in my life in one day than I was on the Sunday at Man Up. And, uh, Mm. And he's... From what I've heard, I haven't talked to him, but I talked to a couple of people that know him. He's got two or three, two or three young men from his church, and they don't have a choice. They're, they're coming this next year. So it's the healthy masculine community. It's the wilderness environment. And, and I'll just be honest. It's also that these guys want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it always, you always get more out of it when you've put your money into it. You know, you don't value free things like you do when you spend the money. Now, I'm I'm guessing. I guess I'm assuming a little bit. Does someone need outdoor experience to to come on one of these? No. Um, I and I'll say that. I guess very honestly, uh, we had. I'm going to use a. I'm going to use one of the guys that came with us on our beta trip five years ago. Like this was just some guys from my church and some guys from my dad's church. He had grown up in an urban community out east. And uh, his family flew to Minneapolis and he lived in the inner city and he never left. Like he never left. left. I'm not exaggerating. Um, Honestly, he had no concept of space and time when it comes to travel. 
it, it was really, he, he's my, you know, he's a few years older than me. So he was like 31 or 32 when he came on this. And like, um, some of the questions he asked, I was just like, it validated what he was saying. He thought hiking was walking on a sidewalk because that's all he could relate it to. And so the first day in South Dakota, we climbed the highest point in the Black Hills. It's the highest point east of the Rockies in the Northern Hemisphere until you get to Europe. And uh, for guys like uh, Ryan, who live out in Oregon, it's nothing, you know, it's not Mount Hood-esque or anything like that. But, you know, we're, yeah. we start, you know, around 5,000 feet and we end up around 7,500 feet or something like that. Um, when he saw what he was going to have to do, he was like, Oh my goodness. No <laughs> and he wasn't in super great shape, but here's the thing. All the guys just rallied around him and they're like, bro, you can do this. You're going to do this. Like, and, and that's the thing with us. We don't leave anybody behind yeah. and it's a group effort. We don't have guys losing their cool because they just want to get to the top. Like that doesn't happen. Like we've left the city behind, you know, like everyone's chill and, um, we do ask guys to evaluate their fitness level. And if they, you know, feel like they're not up to some of the things that we do, we just rolled out this year, what we call our man up campfire. It's way dialed back physically. And it's a great way to break into this experience. So you don't need to have hiked or climb mountain or anything like that. You don't need to have done any of that. Just come. And if, if uh, you know, if you got two good legs under you and you've got a will uh, you can make it. So I just want to say, Nathan, this is this is awesome what you're doing. I'm going to try to make it to one of these because, you know what, you're so right. This, you know, the culture of the, the community we live in, it's a fatherless uh, society. And uh, I came to a realization when I married my wife and uh, realized she had never known her dad until she was 21 years old you know she didn't even know who she who he was you know Mm. and uh and come to find out every other person i met here in america it was the same story the same story and uh, because of an absence of of a father figure you know kids went in drugs kids went you know just just lost because there is no father figure And, and i I think this is such a important aspect for a church to have, our organization to have, because men need to be awakened to who they are. And and I I really love what you're doing, man. This is this is awesome. Thank you so much. It's God's dream, man. It's it's his it's his purpose. Yeah. It's, uh, I can't lay claim to it. I'm just doing what he's directed me to do, and uh, I think it's timely. It's for this hour. And so this is open to any denomination. You know, we've had, uh, I'd say 98% of the people that have attended have been apostolic. Um, We've had some people attend that haven't been and God has just rocked their world. And uh, we had uh, three years ago now, I, I had two men from my church come who were just brand new. And on Pentecost Sunday, in a campsite in the Black Hills of South Dakota, I looked over and I saw both of them organically speaking in tongues. And what I mean is I looked looked to my right and I saw Chris with his hands up, his eyes open, tears coming down. No one is praying with him. And And it was just the power of God is so thick and so tangible. The gifts of the spirit are, are in use. 
Um, and I, we've seen people be healed of things. We've baptized guys in the river, uh, obviously with pastoral permission. This, this has been a tremendous benefit to other churches. So the guys that have been baptized on these trips have been from my church and my dad's church. Uh, I just want to, for the sake of clarity, get that out there. We're not just grabbing everybody we can and baptizing them. Now, all three of us are um, dads of young boys, um, and, and me in particular, oh, I don't know about the other guys, I guess, but I know when I had my son, I realized how unprepared I felt to teach him to be a man. I feel like my dad did a great job, but like I realized all of a sudden that, wait, this isn't just about me somehow being a man. It's like, I've got to teach him. What are some of the things that you think dads today can do to help their kids be, or sons become, become men? That's a very, very good question. I'll start by saying I am not a father, um, but I had an incredible father. And uh, it's just a joy and a privilege to be able to, to uh, co-facilitate these trips with my dad. And um, so in me saying that, I'm going to answer your question from my perspective as a son uh, who was raised by a man who obviously wasn't perfect. Um, but I have two other siblings and uh, my sister, Natalie uh, is the first woman to become a licensed minister in Minnesota in 40 years. And uh, my other sister, Abigail is also involved in ministry. So all of my mom and dad's kids are serving the Lord are involved in ministry. And so I want to mm-hmm. say that um, as, as kudos to them, obviously to God, God gets the credit, but, um, I, I guess first, what I would say is intentionality. Um, and my parents were incredibly intentional. And my father was uh, specifically incredibly intentional. My dad, and I think this is, I think this is maybe the number one thing um, underneath the heading of intentionality. My dad was a spiritual leader. And uh, what I mean by that is it was my dad not my mom who instituted family devotion for our family. It wasn't my mom saying, honey, we need to get the kids together so we can pray. It was my dad saying, family, we're going to come together. We're going to pray. We're going to read the Bible. Um, While I was at home, our family read the Bible together as a family through three different times, all the way through. Um, my dad received his calling to the ministry as like a a nine year old or a 12 year old, something like that, not at a youth camp somewhere, but at a family altar in his home. And so it started with his dad. And so intentionality in regards to being a spiritual leader, let me, let me flip the coin on that. Uh, sometimes a spiritual leader isn't necessarily initiating devotions. I mean, it is, but there was other times where my dad would take a stance of love, but a very firm stance and say, I am the spiritual authority in this house. And that movie, that book, that video game is not coming into my house. And I'd kick and scream just like you guys probably did. Um, when your dad put the foot down. Um, but we have to, in being intentional, we're not looking for spirits underneath every rock and behind every tree. But what we need to understand is everything in this world has a spiritual aspect to it. And the things we allow into our homes via media sources, those iPads that you give your kids to make them be quiet when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody like, what are they watching? What are they looking at? 
Netflix is not a babysitting tool. Hello, people. YouTube cannot be your babysitter. Or Satan is going to steal your sons and daughters right out from underneath your grasp. Um, So intentionality, we need to get intentional. We need to understand who we are first before we can lead them anywhere. And that's the heartbeat behind man up. We want better fathers, better husbands. And here's the reason why the family unit was the original unit in scripture. It preceded the church. The Bible starts with marriage and family. It ends with marriage and family in heaven. Men are the center of all of that. That's true. Strong men equal strong families. Strong families equal strong churches. Strong churches can change a community, and changed yeah. communities can change culture. And that is what our culture needs more That's than true. it. It starts with us being intentional, and this is what I mean by that. If we want our sons to be men, we need to first know what it means to be a man. We need to be able to answer that question: What does it mean to be a man? And so we need to know. And and, and so second of all, number two, we need to practice what we preach. Um, there's a lot of guys who know up here what's right and what's wrong. They know up here what the Bible has to say about masculinity and what it means. But when it comes to practicing and it, it's not down here in the heart, they have it in the head, but they don't have it in the heart. And if it's not in the heart, you're not going to act on it. And right. so, you know, the intention, I think lead, leads to, leads us to living our message because those kids are watching. I mean, how do, how do kids learn? Uh, Kids, if they hear you say, they hear you say that word, they're going to say it tomorrow. If they see you do that action, they're going to do it tomorrow. They're going to practice it while you're not looking. That is how we as human beings learn. And so those are just, I guess, two of the things that I saw my dad do. The third thing, and I guess I'll just, I'll, I'll leave it at three. My dad pastored two churches and he managed a grocery store at the same time for like several years at once. And this was during formative years of my life, like junior high into high school. And I was um, very much into sports. And my parents, they gave me the option. If you want to play sports at, at, at school, you can do that. And, and I think they gave that, that option to me because they understood that I was mature enough to make the right choice, that they had done a good enough job to trust that I was going to make the right choice. And I chose not to. Um, I'm not against sports, but what I'm trying to say is this, my dad, even with his busy schedule, he would spend time with me every single day. Wow. We'd go out in the, we'd go out in the backyard and he'd run routes and I'd throw the football and then I'd run routes and he'd throw the football. We'd play competitive games of basketball against, we, we ran, we'd run around the lake. Like I get it. Not every dad's active and athletic, but like you have to find a way intentionally into the world of your son, because if you don't, somebody else will. Yeah. So true. As your sons get older, you need to take the time and do whatever and, and my dad didn't force me into ministry. And I guess that's the last thing that I'll say. Um, God's created each of us with a specific purpose, specific gifting, specific callings. And uh, for a long time, it looked like I was going to be a pharmacist and my parents didn't push me. Um, God called me to ministry at an altar in El Salvador uh, on the 10th day of an AYC trip. He told me to go back and to quit pharmacy school. 
and I did it. It wasn't my parents pushing me. It was the voice of God. And so they let me run that course because they did a good job and they trusted God. And I think that's awesome that they allowed you to make that decision. Not only that, but I'm sure they probably encouraged you. Because I know if I would have gone to my parents and said, I'm going to quit nursing school, I didn't. But if I would, well, they would have tried to talk me out of it (laughs) as best they could. Um, and not to say that my parents, you know, didn't have my best intentions, didn't have that, but spiritually wise, you know, I, I want my goal for my children, for my boys is for them to pursue the things of God, the things of the spiritual aspects first, because after that, it's all going to, it's all going to fall into place. That's a kudos to your parents and to, to all, you know, to the things to look forward to as far as for, uh, me and my boys, especially and it's amazing watching how each and every one of them is different. You know, I'm sure your dad wasn't the same with your sisters as he was with you. No. And we got to make, and we're going to have, you know, Nigel has three kids. Uh, I have two and one on the way and, and Tim has two. Uh, Tim has the only girl out of the bunch. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. There's between us, we have eight kids, almost eight kids and one girl. <laughs> One girl. We're gonna have some big man up adventures later on. Yeah, we have our own our own branch. That's right. <laughs> I did see that you uh, on your website that you mentioned, and I don't know if this is for like 2018 or whatever, but there was like a husband wife uh, yes. adventure. Um, so I was kind of curious about that before we uh, before we get with, get done with your interview. Yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier. Shame on me. So it would be completely antithetical for man up and what we're about to go through this whole thing. And for me not to mention my wife, um, because I'm commanded as you are to love my wife as Christ loved the church and to give myself for her. There's, there's a, there's a lot of things obviously that go into it. One of the really amazing things, uh, God just works in such amazing ways. My wife, uh, her ministry, and I think her transcendent calling for her life uh, is to women. And uh, that makes us a unique team because her heartbeat is women. My heartbeat is men, which makes our heartbeat the family. And I think the family is God's heartbeat. I really do. So we, uh, as, as a pastor and pastor's wife, we had the luxury of being able to use our church as a beta test field for a couple's trip. There's been times where I've gotten letters from guys saying, Hey, I've been passive for like 10 years. I came on your trip. God rocked my world. I went home and I started putting some things into play. I started to become a spiritual leader. And my wife was like, Whoa, dude, hold on. Like you're stepping on my toes. Like I've been doing this for the last 10 years because you haven't been. And so there's been conflict. And so God started talking to me about a year and a half, two years ago. And so we took uh, four couples from our church and we did a couples weekend. And while I was teaching the men what it means to be a man, according to scripture, my wife at the same time in a completely different setting, um, completely different uh, way of teaching, um, tailored to women, just like what I'm doing is tailored to men. She's teaching the women 
what it means to be a woman. And basically the flip side of the coin that I'm teaching. And so what happened uh, is we came back uh, in the afternoon, we had supper, and then our small group session around the campfire that night consisted of us all coming together and we took the two sides and we put the two puzzle pieces together. And right there on the trip that evening, uh, husband and wife got to see how God's design and his purpose for the roles of man and woman, husband and wife in marriage, how they fit together uh, as two individual puzzle pieces fitting together into cohesive blocks. And so we just built on that. And so um, it was very empowering, very exciting, and very successful. And uh, that was a year ago that we did that. And uh, there's been some lasting effects of that. Um, Marriages, no, their marriages aren't perfect. um, But there was some really amazing things that took place out of that. And so that that is a long-term goal, uh, not too long-term. My goal is for us to roll out our first couple's trip in 2018. And uh, there, there will be um, some older people involved, uh, most likely my mom and my dad, who've been married uh, for, uh, goodness sakes, close to 35 years now. I, my wife and I, Scotia and I, have been married for four, a uh, little over four years. It'd be foolish for us to think that we have it all figured out. We certainly don't. Um, but just like my dad and I co-facilitate, uh, we're going to co-facilitate with you know, another older couple and my parents are incredible teachers and they teach all over the world. And so, um, we're, we're starting to work on that. Yes, sir. Is that intended to be a wilderness also? It will be in a, in a wilderness environment. Um, just like we branched out with our man up adventures and we created a campfire. Um, honestly, um, we've had a ton of feedback from women, and they're like, when are you going to create a woman up adventures? And I'm like, that just sounds horrible. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. even have a good ring to it. But, but, the, but the idea is, uh, hey, we want something for us. And the idea of wilderness is not scaring these women away. Um, and so uh, we have guys who come who are like, yeah, my wife grew up camping and I've never been camping. You know, So she's like pushing me out the door to come to this. <laughs> and uh, so when we mentioned uh, – the couples retreat, there's a lot of women that are excited about it. And so, you know, we'll eventually have one. I'm not going to say it's going to be a conference style setting because I don't just, I just don't think that is what it's going to be, but we'll have just like we have with our man up adventures. We have a couple of trips that feature cabins for guys that just need to ease into it. And then we've got a a trip like our bighorns trip where we base camp at 9,000 feet and you set up a tent and that's where you sleep. So um, the goal is to diversify, to try to, uh, maximize involvement and inclusion there. Yeah. And I saw you were doing, uh, starting a tier two, uh, group, which seemed a little, even more maybe, uh, involved. Yeah. So tier two is, uh, the word tier is just a fancy word we're using to describe the curriculum that's being taught. So for the last four years, we've taught the same exact curriculum on oh, okay. trips. And, um, and so we have a lot of alumni, and um, many of them, we've got guys that have come two, three, four, I think five is the record. Um, oh, wow. we've got two, oh, two or three wow. guys who've come to five trips, five different trips. 
and they all get something different every time. Yes, wow. you're all, every guy's going to walk away with the definition of manhood. And before right. you leave, you ha- you're going to be able to rattle it off. And that's one of the reasons why it's been effective is because you don't go home and just be like, that was a good time. You go home and there's a definition to masculinity engraved on your heart. Like, you know it forward and backward. And so um, this tier two adventure um, is going to feature a new set of curriculum that's going to build on top of what we currently teach. And with this, we've also rolled out, and uh, this will be made evident uh, more here when we launch registration for 2017 here in mid-November, um, but different levels of uh, difficulty. And so this will be, with this first-time Tier 2 trip, we're also going to introduce our highest tier of difficulty at the same time. And so we're going to be backpacking uh, into the Cloud Peak Wilderness and summiting uh, Bomber Mountain. There's That's a awesome. 1943 B-17 Flying Fortress. Uh, the wreckage of it is on top of this mountain, and we will summit That's cool. to the wreckage. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, that sounds cool. exciting, man. That sounds good, man. Are there men who have gone there not knowing what their direction is as far as their calling in their ministry? Yeah. Absolutely. And that's a great question. And that indeed has happened. Uh, one of the, uh, the big things we talk about the entire weekend is knowing and understanding your purpose and the gravity of it, that no one else can fulfill your purpose. You were created completely unique by God. We call it spiritual DNA, just like my physical DNA identifies exactly who I am and nobody else. I believe God's created us with a spiritual DNA, and that is the exact unique purpose that he wove into us before he created us. And that makes us completely indispensable when it comes to his kingdom and what he wants from us. And that's why it's such a travesty when we miss out on what God has created us to do, because no one can fill your shoes and so drive that hard in like this you haven't been saved to do your own will that's not what this has been about like god doesn't he didn't come and die on a cross for us to be selfish with our life that's just not what it's about and so you have a purpose and we drive that in and uh i'll just two very very quick instances our first trip of the year this last year in may there was a, a middle-aged gentleman who was there, and God was just working on him the whole weekend. He uh, wasn't able to do the, the uh, one of the hikes. Uh, he just – it was a little too much for him, and we don't leave anybody behind. And that means if someone's not able to make it, one of the guides, myself, my father, uh, or Scott, who is my father-in-law, who also helps us, uh, will stay back and teach the lesson that they're going to miss. Like, no one misses out on anything. And that proved to be exactly what this man needed. Uh, it's just one-on-one time with my dad. And God started to speak to him. Long story short, he went back home, fired up. God had already talked to him a long time ago about what he wanted him to do. He just needed someone to push him over the edge, to take the step of faith, to be like, God's going to meet you on the other side. He went back. He talked to his pastor, which is what we always encourage. We No one's supposed to be a lone ranger. You don't go out there and just do stuff on your own. He talked to his pastor, said, Pastor, this is what I want to do. This is what I felt God calling me to do. I'm ready. Put an action plan together. And uh, he's now uh, working in a jail ministry because of that. And literally, he was within a few weeks. Like, he was so intentional. Um, Wow. One other other very quick story. 
last summer, uh, we had a young man come for the first time and, uh, he also is a nurse and, uh, went to medical medical school and, uh, is successful at what he does. Uh, grew up in church and has been involved with music and things like that. Uh, God started to just really start to talk to him last summer in the Bighorn Mountains. He came back. One of the questions we ask everybody the very first night, because we're really big about intentionality, is why are you here? Uh, our expectation, and we com- we communicate it, is that you need to be praying before you come to this trip, and you need to come with expectancy, and you need to, you need to know why you're here. And it came to him and he said, I'm here because last year God spoke to me on this trip in a way he had never spoken to me before. And he asked me to give my life to him in the realm of ministry. And so I have spent the last year pursuing that and following through on that. And I am now a licensed minister with the United Pentecostal Church. Wow. Well, that's a great <laughs> oh, wow, example okay. of someone who didn't just yes. go back to the exactly. same, same old after right. one week, Can literally change your life. This is awesome. But before we go, is there one last thing you'd like to, to share with, with the audience? Growing up, uh, I've been in the United Pentecostal Church my whole life, and I love it. it it's, it's, it's everything to me. It's uh, God's will for my life, and uh, I, love, I love the fellowship. But I grew up with a small paradigm of what it meant to be in ministry. Uh, I remember being at youth camp and, you know, the evangelist, I'm nine years old. If you have a call to God on your life, I want you to come up here. And I went up there with all the other kids. And I remember having a conversation in the boys dorm, you know, this is summer youth camp. I'm like, what was it that you felt God was calling you to be? And they all said the same thing. Pastor. That's fine. That's great. We, we need pastors, but the Bible says that, that God gave them apostles, prophets, he gave them evangelists. He gave them pastors. He gave them teachers. I am completely convinced that there's hardly anything that we could do here in our lives and it not be ministry. So what I'm simply trying to say is, listen, don't get stuck in a box trying to do what the guy next door is doing. Amen. Let God use you in the exact way he created and purposed, to be, purposed you to be used. You don't have to be... Uh, you know, you don't have to be the next Nigel Ali. You don't have to be, you know, the right. next Man Up Adventures. You don't have to be the next, you know, Lee Stone King. You need to be the next you. And that's exactly yeah. what God wants from you. That's what he expects from you. And that's why he created you to be you. You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to preach like anybody else. You, yeah. I'm completely convinced, and, and this might... This might sound crazy, but I think that you, I think someone could create a movie with a tremendous message, and I believe plus the world if it was if it was created, and it was your life's purpose, and it was infused with the Holy Ghost. Like I don't understand why that couldn't kind of just change the world because a, a million people can sit down on a weekend and watch a movie. I, as a pastor, can only talk to the seventy that come to my church on a Sunday morning. You understand what I'm saying? Like, let's not limit yeah. God. With, with putting him in a small box in our mind as to what it means to be a minister. Like, let's right. do everything and anything that we can for him, and let's be who he called us to be. Amen. Well, thank you, Brother Nate. We have enjoyed this so much. We have I have a lot more I wish we could talk about, but we're about out of time. Really appreciate you. We'd love to have you again. Hopefully, we'll see you on one of your yes. trips, and then maybe we can debrief on the on the show sometime or something. Thank you, listeners, for sticking around to the end. 
If you do want to see the show notes or maybe some of the links to get in touch with Nate, you can find all that at BehindThePulpitPodcast.com slash 18. If you want to contact us, just head on over to BehindThePulpitPodcast.com slash contact and you'll find all the different available methods to reach us there. And until next episode, remember, you matter to the kingdom of God. Behind the Pulpit Podcast.